Well, hello. Welcome to Midlife State of Mind, the show for that middle section of your life, the one that comes after you've raised yourself, your kids, and the rim on your rose-colored glasses. I'm your host, Erin Beadle. And I'm your host, Alicia Jessness, and we're so excited for you to join us as we talk about all the weird and wonderful ways things change as you navigate midlife, the state of mind, that is. To Midlife State of Mind, I'm your host, Erin Beetle. And I'm your host, Alicia Jessness, and this week we are going to get into a new series called Physical Health After 40. What are some of the topics we're going to cover in that series, Erin? So we are going to talk about um, like going to the gym. Like if you're if you're a person that's never worked out and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I need to get in shape. So like what should you do? Um, how, how should you approach it, I guess? Um, what are some of the ways, the best ways? We're going to talk about um, cosmetic enhancements. So the non-surgical, we talked about, you know, when I had my eyes done and all that, but we're going to talk about, um, you know, filler Botox, what's the difference? What are they good for? We're going to talk about, um, uh, I've got a list. (laughs) We're going to talk about filter, filter culture, like Facetune versus your actual face. Like what the hell is going on on social media? Everyone looks like a Martian. (laughs) How did filter culture come into play? We're going to talk about that. Yeah, We're going to talk about energy and like how your energy level shift with each decade, right? I mean, but specifically we're talking about over 40 and, um, and so how can you meet your energy rather than placing demands on it? We're going to talk about the dangers of diet culture. We all, I mean, I think that applies to every, you know, obviously even like t- little 10 year olds, cause they become very, have very much body awareness even that is going to be age. such a powerful episode I'm really looking forward to that and we're actually gonna um we're, we're gonna we're gonna have guests for every episode in this series but yeah. specifically on that one um we're just going to talk about like getting into you know really being positive about your body body dysmorphia some of those tougher topics um we're also going to talk about in this series food as fuel yeah and we're going to do another episode food as medicine. So we're going to talk about fueling your body in the right ways so that you can maintain not just your health, but your appearance. We're going to talk about how how you're fueling your body and how much that affects, you know, your ability to remain healthy longer into your life. We're going to talk about how, you know, what you eat really does matter in relationship to your health on so many levels. It matters in, you know, Again, your physical appearance, how you're taking care of your body and how you appear outwardly. But we're also going to talk about how what you eat impacts your, you know, risks for disease and your, you know, again, your ability to maintain longevity in life. Yeah, definitely. So, so, um, so let's talk about just generally speaking, physical health after 40. I feel like this is such a hot topic because I think in our 20s, we feel like we're invincible. We feel like we can eat cheeseburgers every day. We feel well, like we, we can. We don't have to get <laughs> enough sleep. We right. feel like, but the thing is, we can't really. Like, we think we can, but later on in life, we pay the price for making those choices. Well, well right? part of the reason that we pay the price is because I think then we get used to it. And then we don't, um, well, then we don't stop. Yeah, but I think, you know, um, I mean, obviously your metabolism, you know, has goes through changes with each decade right Um, although I did recently um 
see an interesting um, stat or it was like a based on some study because, you know, typically you always think that in your 40s, your metabolism slows down. But this was talking about recent data showing that actually your metabolism doesn't sh- slow down significantly until your 70s. That's interesting. I've always, yeah, I've always well, thought I got, that. I got into a big argument when I went to the endocrinologist um, because <laughs> I was like, he's like, of course, you I'm did. like, I'd gain, you know, some weight right. for no reason. And I'm having some thyroid issues. Um, well, I have an enlarged thyroid with a big nodule, but my thyroid is functioning properly. But when I was like, he did not like me and I haven't been back and I won't go back. We did not like each other. He didn't like me questioning him, but I, he was Most saying, doctors well, don't. you're 51, your metabolism is slowed down. I'm like, actually there is a new study and blah, 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 blah. And that it doesn't slow down till 70. And he's like, basically telling all me right that so listen we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna have to post that article because people are gonna think we're crazy because I remember when you first told me that I yeah. was like no I'll I don't think that's it. right because I'm like wait where is that article so well we talked some about um how having more tasks on your task list because your brain is busier actually improves your brain activity to let because you're busier it allows your brain to then function at a higher capacity mm-hmm. because you're forced into functioning at a higher capacity so maybe it's that maybe it's because when you enter kind of these midlife years um you're you are in that like full on you're in the stage where you're you tend to be the busiest in your life well i I, but I'm going to um, tell you that you're busy, but you're more sedentary, I think, because typically, I think in your 40s, you've probably already had toddlers. So they're mm-hmm. bigger people now. So you're not. They are bigger people. They're not. You're not doing as much physically for them. And then your job, you're probably sitting all day and then you're driving in traffic. And then, mm-hmm. you know, and then you get home and you got to cook dinner and you got to do all this other stuff. And you're like, and then all you want to do is like lay on the couch and watch Netflix because you're tired. You're exhausted. So yeah. um, I think even though you're busier, it's mm-hmm. not necessarily that you're moving more. I think you're probably more sedentary. I would agree with that. Then you are. I don't remember what it was in that article we'll have to go back and pull that again but I remember just we were talking about the fact that because you have more on your plate your brain's functioning at a higher capacity so what what I'm getting what I'm getting okay, to what are you that, getting at? <laughs> like let's circle back is that I wonder if because our brains are functioning at a higher capacity if maybe that is helpful or improves our metabolism at this stage of life that's an interesting question. I we should would research say no. That. No? I mean, your brain does take glucose. That's what it uses as mm-hmm. a fuel. But I think that men, it can be mentally taxing and not be physically taxing. I mean, I think that, like, I don't think it would, I don't think it would affect your metabolism. I could be wrong. Uh, maybe when we do the um, food as fuel, we can, like, because I'm diving I haven't done any research on that. Um, shocker. But, um, no, I don't think, I mean, I do think that mental tasks can make you tired, but I don't right. necessarily think it's a I think it's more of a hormonal thing with the glucose than it is a physical like metabolism thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I don't think, I mean, if that was the case, I think that like all really smart people that use their brain would be super thin. And I don't, I don't 
think that that correlates. What it, my husband always says, like, correlation does not equal causation. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to use it here. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I think that your brain is busier, but your body might be less busy because you're you know, like when you're, if you're like in your thirties and you have toddlers, you're chasing them. So then which team are you on? Are you in the team where it slows down in your forties or, or I don't, in midlife or well, not? Well, I think, no, here's what I think. And this is what I told him. I said, the reason your metabolism slows down is because your physical activity slows down. And he's like, well, that makes sense. I mean, I said, because you're not as active. I mean, think about a child who like, if they're outside playing all day long from, you know, they're, they're like burning, burning calories constantly, right? They're going, you know, their energy, they're using calories for energy. Um, but you know, unless you have a job that is like a physically demanding job where right. you're like working outside or you're an Olympic athlete, right? Then I think that typically thirties, you start to slow down a little bit. Forties, mm-hmm. you slow down a little bit more. Fifties, you slow down. I mean, Generally speaking, I mean, mm-hmm. I know there's always going to be outliers on either side. Sure. Um, but generally speaking, and, and when I told him that, I was like, no, I think the reason your metabolism slows down is because your activity level slows down. He acted like I was like crazy. But um, I mean, in my experience, health professionals don't like to be questioned. It's you come to us because we're the professional and which I understand. Right. And they are. And they went to school for a long time and they studied a lot of things. But at the same thing, I at the same time, I think people are taking more personal ownership of their health and of being educated. Well, and being your own advocate. And right. that's what I was being, my own advocate. I'm right. like, hey, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, I was old enough to be his mom too, which really ticked me off because I was like, respect your elders. I'm just yeah, kidding. And, <laughs> and that's what this whole series is about, though. It's just about taking ownership of your physical yes. health in midlife. You have to be your own advocate. It's I, th- I think we've mentioned this before, but maybe not that it just floors me that when people go to the doctor and the doctor tells them and they just like they just accept whatever they're told Uh, well he put me on this pill well why well did he give any other options was there any other like and some people don't want to know i mean that's a fact uh, some people don't want to know you should want to know you we you should want to know but some people just have so much on knowledge is power it is power and i don't think you can act you can i don't think you can truly take control of your health if you're not educating yourself about what is what is the causation of the issues you're having with your health Mm -hmm. if you're not educated about what's causing the problem then how can you possibly be educated about what the best solutions are right yeah all right so let's get started today yeah you ready yeah all right (laughs) welcome back listeners thank you so much for joining us this week on midlife state of mind podcast i am your host alicia jessness and i'm erin beetle um so this week we are starting a new series this series is going to be on physical health after 40 we're going to talk about all kinds of cool stuff like how to work out at the gym challenging yourself and not hurting yourself. We're going to talk about cosmetic surgeries. We're going to talk about mental health. We're going to talk about several things in this series. But today's episode specifically is about cosmetic enhancements that are non-surgical. Non-surgical. And are they right for you? And, And we have a special guest joining us today. Stacy Kane Armstrong. And she is, she works for Dr. McGovern at Renewal MD. So welcome, welcome, Stacy. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Yes, thank you, Stacy. <laughs> All right. So the first question that we have for you is 
Can you tell us the difference between Botox and fillers? Like, I always say I'm thinking about getting Botox, but... You really mean fillers. I really mean fillers. So can you explain to me and the rest of the world what exactly is the difference? Well, and also, like, not... Yeah, the difference in, like, which... What are they indicated for? So, like, what is Botox indicated for? What is filler indicated for in in the... In the world of having those procedures. Okay, sure. And, and you know, this is a very common uh, thing that happens to people. They come in and just say, you know, give me some Botox. And and they are talking about fillers, talking about doing something else. So let's start off with with Botox. Because that's kind of like a generic word for all neuromodulators, neurotoxins. Although Botox is a brand that is the um, original. It's been around since 1998. It's been FDA approved since 2002, I believe. And uh, so those uh, neuromodulators or neurotoxins are wrinkle relaxers. They're muscle relaxers. Mm -hmm. So we inject those to stop the release of acetylcholine. And acetylcholine is what makes your muscles move. So we, when you frown between your eyebrows and you make those little 11s in there, or you raise your eyebrows up and you have all those lines on your wrinkles uh, on your forehead, uh, crow's feet, those, that's what uh, Botox is for. And currently in the United States, we have four Botox uh, types available, four neuromodulators that are available. Um, as I mentioned before, we have Botox, we have Dysport, Xeomin, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and a new one on the market is called Javeau. Some people call it Nutox. And there's going to be a fifth one, hopefully, to hit the market very, very soon, uh, called Daxi. Okay, now, do you guys offer all of those? And what is the difference? Yeah, like, is it just a price difference? Is it just, like, a company? Like, you know, the different drug companies have different ones, or do they work? Is there a different mechanism for each one? uh, So, so the basic mechanism is all the same. Okay. And they stop uh, or cut off the, the release of acetylcholine. Um, they're different companies, all competing companies. You can think of like a Coke and a Pepsi and all that red wine versus white wine. Um, they're all going to work very well for you. We offer three of them currently. It's, it's really hard to have that many available, um, but it is very exciting, you know, to, to have that many choices on on the market today. Um, so, yeah, and they should all last you three to four months. Um, they're they're injected pretty much all the same. Okay. Um, Yep, and as now to the filler part. So fillers restore the loss of collagen, the loss of fat, volume. bone volume. They replace that volume that is, is needed. So those typically uh, people will come in and do them in the cheeks. They'll do them in the lips, sometimes in the jawline, uh, sometimes in the little folds. We get, you know, we call them uh, nasolabial folds, those mm-hmm. little smile lines that we get. So they're a gel. They're, they're hyaluronic acid gel. Uh, some of them are a little different. Some of them are uh, biostimulators. Those are your Sculptra and your Radius. Um, and there are currently, I believe, 18 to 20 different yeah. types of filler on the market right now. So which one is right for you? Well, that's why you go to a professional with lots of experience, and they're going to pick the one that, that's right for that's you. That's why I reached out to you, because I know that you've been doing this for, what did you say, almost 20 years? Uh, I've been injecting for 14 years and I've been a nurse for 30 years. Yeah. So you're not just educated on the products in an environment that where you just do products. You're also educated from a medical standpoint as an RN. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I continue my education constantly. I am always going to a symposium or seminar or something or going to a training somewhere. I spend a lot of money 
every year to continue my education. So I understand the nuances of all of these products. Right. And you're staying on top of what, what's yeah. the state of the art, um, you know, up and coming stuff. Yeah. So different fillers would maybe be indicated for different areas of your face. Absolutely. So currently we have two products that are FDA approved for the lips. We have Restylane and Kiss and mm-hmm. we have Bursa Lip for the lips. Um, you can use other products in the lips, but those, you know, are specifically designed for the lips. Uh, Restylane just launched Contour, which is perfect for the cheeks. Radius is great for the jawline and for replacing bone. Um, so, so there's like it. There's, I like to think of it as a crayon box, mm-hmm. and I have lots of different colors and crayons in my toolbox that I can, when I'm ready to paint a beautiful picture, I have all that um, readily available to me. Yeah, that um, that makes sense. So an experienced injector is going to be able to make recommendations for what you want to achieve, essentially, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah. And keep it within your budget, too. Yeah, well, that's always a factor. <laughs> Well, um, what do you think the biggest, what is the biggest misconception about injectables that you hear or maybe that you know that people, you know, think of what it is and what it isn't? So the biggest thing that I hear with clients in my chair is they are so worried that they are doing something that is just pure vanity. Mm -hmm. Like I'm so vain. No, self-care is not vanity and we should not feel guilty about self-care if we are doing these fillers and these uh, botox to compete with somebody that is vanity but if we're doing it to make ourselves look and feel our best uh, and when we look in the mirror where it makes us smile uh, it's not vanity right it's self-love and that's the one of the biggest things that i want women to know is it is okay to spend a little bit of money on yourself. It is okay to take care of yourself. That's right. And I'll tell you a story. Erin won't mind if I tell this because she told it on um, one of our previous episodes. But she had, um, tell me the correct way to say Blethroplasty. it. Blethroplasty. 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 Yeah. I still can't get it right. Anyhow, she had her I eyes lift. Yeah. I had my hoods lifted. But what I appreciated about the story that she shared with me is that she did it because, not because she felt like she was looking older. It was because every day when she got up and she looked in the mirror, she said she looked she felt like she looked tired and it, it would made make her feel me feel tired. tired. So then I would act tired. And so I think that by having my hoods lifted now, when I look in the mirror, I just look like myself and I don't look tired. So I don't feel tired. It's, it's so, if you know anything about like, um, if you've ever, if any of our listeners or even you, um, Stacey have listened to like Amy Cuddy, she talks about like body language, Ted talk on like, you know, power moves and all it's like sometimes you're you're the way you feel can affect how you look but sometimes the way you look can affect how you feel I mean it works both ways it's top down or bottom up however you you know want to you know 100% it all is is inter interconnected and it wasn't like but also I hate that when people say vanity like I mean I know that you know, if we're going to get puritanical and the Bible talks about vanity, but it's like looking your best 
should not be considered vanity. And it helps you feel your best. We talked about that this morning. You show up better. That's right. When you get up and you, if you wear makeup, you put on a full face of makeup. If you fix your hair, you fix your hair. If you're into clothing and your wardrobe, you put on a cool outfit. And when you look in the mirror, you feel great. Then you show up. You perform. You perform better. You show up for everything else in your life better when you start the day out feeling great and feeling confident about yourself. So... Um, so the next question we have for you is, you know, we all at our age, we're looking into ways that we can age gracefully and then also age, age with assistance or <laughs> age better. Um, but, all, you know, it, it is an injectable. You are putting chemicals into your body. So tell us about some of the risks involved with the products that you provide. So with the neurotoxins, neuromodulators, uh, Botox, there's always a chance that you're going to get uh, an eyebrow that drops or is uneven. Um, there is a ptosis of the eyelid that is possible, but very, very rare. And and those are, are very self-limiting, and they usually take care of themselves and go. The correction is within a few weeks to a few months, and it's mm-hmm. no big time is the cure for that. However, with fillers, it can be a little bit scarier. Um, you want to go to an injector that understands anatomy and has studied anatomy. Uh, we know where the uh, high risk areas are like I will not do filler but between uh, the 11th right there between your eyebrows is there's some very important blood vessels there that you just don't want to get filler into and if you get an occlusion there um, then you know you're going to lose some skin Um, that's what we want you to talk about we want you to talk about like uh, that we're I'm going to go ahead and go into the next question is like what are the no-nos like what so you're talking about like doing um, the injectables on your 11s first of all I didn't know what the 11s were until last night which I find amusing since I'm 45 years old but um (laughs) well some people have ones some people have 11s (laughs) and I would not have known that you would not put filler there so talk a little bit more about that if you would Sure. So, so that is a high risk area also for blindness. Mm. Um, people who have been blind there, they're typically, um, came out of Asia. They were trying to get a Caucasian type nose and they were overfilling that area. And there was some women that went blind <gasps> um, from that area. So it's extremely rare. Um, right. When you take a training, you know that that's just a no, that's a, like an off, off limits. There's a big, like, off limits right yeah. There. Um, <laughs> Some people do noses. I I will refer them to uh, put filler in noses. Uh, is beautiful. I believe that should be done in the hands of my physician that I work for. Um, there are some nurses that do it, and I'm sure they've been trained. But for me, I'm uncomfortable with that. Um, I, just I just saw a video on one of the um, the health and beauty channels that I follow on Snapchat, where the young lady she went in for um, a consult for a rhinoplasty, which is a nose job for those of you that don't know that. Um, and the doctor actually recommended that she not have a classic rhinoplasty and have a lift a nose lift with filler though non-surgically and it was phenomenal I didn't even know you could do things like that with filler I was blown away yeah it is phenomenal it's beautiful um but you've got to be you know in the hand really skilled right and of course the physician that I work for she does rhinoplasty so she understands all the anatomy and the landmarks and where those blood vessels Mm, are right um not in there doing surgery, you know, once a week, seeing all those blood vessels. So I, I just turn it over to her when somebody needs that. Um, but you just you just have to be very careful. And you want to go to somebody 
should you get an occlusion, can they take care of it? Right. I have been trained to take care of it. Um, knock on wood, I have not had one, but I, I'm, I'm very careful. Um, if it were to happen, you would you know, know what to do, I, right? Do and I would have a physician standing right there beside me, uh, helping me and assisting me and doing follow-ups with the patient, um, which is you know, what you want when you go see somebody, um, for your injections. Well, that's what I was going to say. Cause you know, like, like for instance, I was at the gym last week and there was a woman in there. That's why I think I've been really scared of filler. I've done Botox. I did it for several years and then I took a break for about three years. And then I just had it again recently on my, I have a one, not an 11. I'm not that high priced. Um, <laughs> so I just have a little one. And, um, but I was, so I was at the gym and there was a woman, it seems like sometimes, and, 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 and it's probably more an injector, um, than, do you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's, it's more the, the, the practitioner and not the product. Right. Because right. they, like she look, it's that same look that I see in women that either maybe, maybe it's that or I'm, I, I'm asking you, is it that they're getting too much filler? Is it that they're going to the wrong person? Are they using filler, the wrong kind of filler for the area? Because do I don't know if you know what I'm talking She looks whack, almost like she's like candle wax, kind of like over... Overfilled. Overfilled. And then, but then it starts just looking unhealthy. Right. Yes. And, and it's, you hit, it's all of the above. Um, and there's a lot of people who have body dysmorphic and they continue to go to injectors and they'll go to all the injectors in town, begging them for more. And mm. somebody's going to say yes to them. Yeah. Cause it's money. I mean, you're like, okay, sure. I mean, if you want it, I'll do it. Right. Um, you know, they shouldn't, but they do. They, they, yes. And I've, I've been blessed. I've only had a few that I'm like, nope, nope, nope. We're done here. No yeah. more. You can't have any more. Um, and, and we talk about that, you know, like, like your expectations are unrealistic and I do not want to have my name on this unrealistic look. Right. Yeah. You don't want them going around town saying like, oh yeah, Stacy's my injector. And she looks so like freakishly like in that people are like, okay, I'm not going to Stacy when it's not. It's just because she wants she wants something that isn't um, it isn't realistic. Then yeah. that that's part of why we were really kind of compelled to do this episode is because, I mean, l- let's face it, you can a- there are lots of women out there who are aging gracefully and they look amazing doing it, and. Absolutely. Yeah, and but there there are lots of women who are interested in cosmetic enhancements, and our opinion is that you can do whatever you want to with or to your body. It's you know to make yourself to put yourself in a position to be more confident about mm-hmm. the way that you feel and the way that you're showing up in your world. But at the same time, you know there are a lot of doctors out there. It's like you if somebody comes to you and they say, "I want to look like a cat." There has to be a line where the professional, you know, there has to be a line in the sand where the professional says, hey, I understand this is your desire, but maybe let me recommend you to uh, a psychologist or somebody who helps with body dysmorphia and and let's have you talk to them before we start doing cosmetic procedures. Well, I think that for certain procedures, you do have to, I mean, especially when we're talking like sexual reassignment surgeries, they have mm-hmm. to go through a whole process. Um yeah, so so I think probably then the people that I see who are 
who I can't tell they have filler, but they probably maybe have filler, but they just look good for their age. It's because it's like done the right way and in moderation leaves you probably looking better than, and, and you don't look so overfilled or over, you know, over it paralyzed. Yeah. It doesn't look fake. So that's what I guess, because <laughs> I'm always like, I've never seen a good lip filler, but that's because usually the ones that I notice are probably the people that have gotten like two vials of, you know, whatever Restylane in their lips they've or gone whatever kind. Um, <laughs> and so they've gone, yeah, they've gone past that point where it's like, you know, the really like overinflated, like looks like I have a t-shirt that I wear at work that says the best injectable is not detectable that is I love that motto that is my motto absolutely um and if you want to know what you're going to look like look at your injector if your injector is overdone then that's her art that's that's her shtick that's that's the way she sees things um so go to somebody that looks natural yeah and you yeah. do you you have not aged a day since the day I met you 15 <laughs> years ago so <laughs> she knows a good injector <laughs> we do know a good injector yeah so that would be I guess the biggest um the biggest like takeaway would be like do your research on your injector like don't yeah. be scared to like shop around or get recommendations or talk to them and or go for a consultation and don't be afraid to ask them when was the last time you took a training class when was the last time you furthered your education oh yeah is it yeah. required or is that something you do voluntarily I do it voluntary is not required it's oh not. so that's a great question then you should be asking that in every consult if you're the patient mm-hmm yeah, this industry is moving at a very fast pace, um, and you, you have to keep up. And just because you took a weekend course to learn how to do Botox and fillers doesn't mean that you're going to be great at it. And right. a lot of people have been injecting for many years, but they've only done it part-time, or they still work full-time at the hospital, and they just kind of dabble in it a little bit. Yeah, like Botox so parties or something where they just once a month. That's and experience. You want somebody with experience and with yeah. training. And that's all you've been doing for the last 14 years, correct? Yes, that's yeah, all I've been That's what doing. I thought, yeah. Okay, yeah, so you're the person to go to. Um, well, let me ask you this. Um, if you re- were to recommend one thing um, that would get you the most bang for your buck, like if you were, if you had a, like a, a patient come in and, you know, she feels like she looks tired or, day, you know, aged, like I know it could vary greatly Mm -hmm. but um like would you like say I think a little Botox in the forehead and the in the laugh you know the um what do they call the crow's crow's feet feet. the 11 would soften you or would you go filler like which what would be would you think would you get the most bang for your Mm -hmm. buck it is so patient dependent and so what is what their goal dependent is but let's just take it by the decades Uh, if somebody's in their 20s the best thing that they can do, the biggest bang for their buck, is wear sunscreen. Okay. Um, their 30s, um, good skin care, continue to wear your sunscreen. Maybe do a little bit of Botox and maintenance. Um, in your 40s, you're definitely going to want to start a little bit of filler. You're going to want to start some collagen building. You're going to start definitely continue with your retinol. In your 50s, um, you should be definitely doing maybe some devices uh, to build collagen, mm. like old therapy. Like what? Old therapy. I don't know what that is. Somebody. It's ultrasound. It's like um, it's ultrasound energy yeah. that stimulates you to produce your own collagen elasticity. Um, there's also lasers out there that will 
help you uh, build your own collagen and elasticity into the skin. So when you're in your your 40s and 50s, you probably want to start thinking about those Um, chemical peels as well. Um, But probably in your 50s, your best bang for your buck is fillers and um, doing a little bit of the toxins. Um, In your 60s, uh, it's really going to depend on uh, how well you've taken care of yourself in your 30s and 40s and 50s as to yeah. what's going to be the best thing. So really body. the key is starting early and taking care of your skin. I mean, I love the fact that you are someone who works in aesthetics, that you have for 14 years been someone who provides these products, but your go-to wasn't come to me and get these products. It's take care of your skin. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Take yeah. care of yourself and take care of yourself from the inside out as well. Do collagen supplements. Um, eat well. Drink eat lots of water, right? The water. High protein diets are wonderful for your skin. Um, just, just you know, limit your alcohol. No, no smoking. <laughs> no smoking. No, no smoking. smoking. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Stacy, for joining us today. I, I know our listeners are going to find great value in the information that you provided. I know that I learned a few things that I didn't know, and I'm super stoked about that. Um, so, thank you so much for joining us today, and. Uh, yeah, anything you want to add for the listeners? Just any sort of like little. Oh, it has definitely been a pleasure to be with y'all this afternoon. Thank you so much. And you can find me at Renewal MD in Savannah. Okay. Awesome. awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Stacy. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. All right. Bye bye. 